0: Hello, you're listening to the Society for Dance Research podcast series on inclusion and intersectionality. My name is Sinibaldo De Rosa and I am the event secretary for the Society for Dance Research. My pronouns are he and him. I describe myself as a queer man born in Abruzzo, Italy, to white parents As an independent researcher and artist, I'm interested in movement, dance and ritual for people at the margins across multiple performance practices and ethnographic contexts. For my doctoral project at the University of Exeter, I worked with Alevi communities in Turkey and Europe. I'm also a movement notator and reconstructor, and I've been recently reconstructing extracts of a pioneering piece in black modern American dance Donald McHale's Rainbow Round My Shoulders. This series of podcasts extends some of the conversations and themes discussed at the Society's two-day symposium on intersectionality and inclusion that took place in November 2021 at CDER, the Centre for Dance Research at Coventry University, UK. The podcast series joins together researchers, artists and students in the field to discuss some of the key themes explored during the event. Fuller details on the symposium, its research questions and aims and objectives can be found on the Society for Dance Research website and its accompanying Wakelet online repository in which those presenting and interested others submitted related materials and resources. We invite listeners to engage with these resources and to reflect on some of the ideas raised and themes explored alongside the podcast series and discussions. Today, I'm joined by Sandy Byrne and Marion Ken, who will be sharing their research and ideas on intersectionality and inclusion raised during the conference. I think it's the first time to record a podcast episode for all of us, so bear with us if uh, we are going to be not as professional as if we would love to. And I will start by introducing my two guests. Dr. Sandy Byrne is a black British woman. She completed a PhD in dance studies at the University of Roehampton in 2017. She is a consultant for Black dancers in British Ballet, as well as a member of the Society for Dance Research Executive Committee based in London. Her Black British Ballet project aims to produce a suite of resources to document the history and experiences of Black dancers and choreographers in British ballet in the last century. During the symposium, she presented a research paper titled Decolonizing African Diasporic Narratives in Ballet. So welcome, Sandy. And together with Sandy, I am happy to welcome Marion Ken, who is a French white woman. She is a PhD student at Université Versailles Saint-Quentin, based in Tours. She is working on a doctoral thesis entitled Social Codes and Identity Roles in Lindy Hop: Stories of Transgression. She is also a Charleston, Authentic Jets and Lindy Hop dancer and instructor. During the symposium, she presented a research paper titled Navigating Between an Empowering Practice and a Normative Frame, the Example of the Lindy Hop." So welcome to you all and thank you for being here. I am delighted to be hosting this uh, podcast exchange. And uh, to start, we can think back of what happened during the symposium. And I would like to give both of you space to tell us something about your individual contributions. Firstly, I turn to Sandy. Could you outline briefly the contents and key points of your paper or presentation? Thank you.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm just going to give you yes, an outline of what I uh, propose for this conference. So my paper was called uh, Decolonizing African Diasporic Narratives in Ballet. So um, this presentation was inspired by my chapter, portrayals of Black People in Western Western narrative ballets in A. Akinli's Reclaiming Ballet 2021. And that was her published. The paper bestows a synopsis on the intersectionality of narrative ballet classics, such as La Corsage*, The Faire's Daughter, La Bayadere, Cleopatra, Petrusca, and Serenade. It analyzes how black people from the African diaspora were characterized and explores issues such as representation of the black characters, such as slaves, white dancers blacking up, racialized depictions of eroticism, exoticism, and sexism, and how stereotypes are still perpetuated on the ballet stage today. Um, and then it goes on, we also discussed, um, most of the ballets analyzed were created by choreographers from the late 19th and early 20th century, like Marcus Petipa and Michael Fauquin. Um, it is inevitable that they were influenced by post-colonial ideologies of race at the time, and therefore created adaptations to reflect this period in their narrative ballets. Consequently, in the 21st century, many Western communities are more culturally diverse. Thus ballet companies are moving slowly to diffuse racial racial stereotypes on the stage and promote a more inclusive and diverse cast. It could be argued that the representation of black people in black people in ballet narratives has given an opportunity for young inspiring black dancers to be cast and replaced with white blacked up stars. Nonetheless, the fact still remains that these ballets still imitate racist ideologies. Thank you. Wonderful, Uh, Sandy.
0: And uh, I will just go on uh, and ask the same question to you, Marion. I wonder if you could just uh, give us uh, an overview or some key points from your paper. Um,
2: Yes, so the paper, it was, basically just an overview of how Lindy Hop, which is a black dance that was created in the late 1920s in Harlem, New York City, um, which was danced by black working class people and was breaking uh, gender barriers as well, uh, has become a dance that is overwhelmingly danced by white people today. And that very much follows a white and heteronormative frame. So, um, for example, like Lindy Hop was developed in an interracial uh, environment. Um, the most famous performance troupe um, of Lindy Hop was integrated, racially integrated as well. Um, the dancers also broke a number of racial barriers, but also gender barriers. You had same-sex uh, couples dancing together, had men dancing together and women dancing together as well. Um, So it was very much an empowering practice in the 1930s and 40s, and it was also really like a means to become, well, maybe just to build a chosen identity, not an identity that was built for the dancers, but a chosen identity in the ballroom. And then... Uh, the dance was appropriated, it was danced by white dancers, and it changed the meaning of the dance like completely. And so you have this empowering practice of the Lindy Hop that evolved in this normative frame of whiteness and straightness at the same time. And today we have this result um, of this empowering practice and this frame today.
0: Wonderful. So I already sense uh, kind of uh, some, I mean, uh, I'm very I'm 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 kind of curious to to explore these threats of connection uh, or synergies between the the work that you presented. And um, I wonder if I would like maybe to ask each of you. Uh, if you see any any synergies, any connections, or also differences that you think are quite uh,
1: remarkable, yes. Um, so when looking at uh, so black dances in ballet, um, I can and looking at Hind- Lindy Hop. Obviously, we're both talking about black people from the African diaspora and their struggles of identity except, you know, to be accepted, you know, well, obviously in ballet, to be accepted in ballet and how they're portrayed. And then obviously in Lindy Hop, um, how, um, you know, it's it's a genre that started from Harlem, you know, from the slaves and and from, you know, first dancing, in, what's it, 1928, up into the thirties and forties. So through their oppression, so, it's both both genres portray, you know, within the ballets, you know, where they've portrayed as the slaves in the ballets or they, you know, dancing from oppression in Lindy Hop. It's the oppression of Black people on both fronts. So to me, that's like the first um, similar um, uh, in, in the, that instant. But another instant, I think, is the fact that, sorry to say, it's... Um, you're looking at French institutions. So obviously the ballet started off, you know, well, Louis XIV started, you know, the first ballet school Um, and it's French, yeah. So you have that continuous um, ideology. And then, uh, Marion, you're looking at hip hop in France, aren't you? The Lindy Hop, the Lindy
2: Hop. Yeah, Lindy, Hop, so, in, yeah, Lindy in, Hop in France. In France, but also like it's more an overview like around the world because, for example, okay. the, the biggest place now for Lindy Hop is South Korea. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like all over the place. It has just diffused everywhere in the world. So in France, but also like in the world. And the first place where it developed was also in Sweden and now the biggest place to dance Lindy hop is in South Korea. I believe because there's no like recorded data of how many dancers exactly we have. There's no federation or any sort, but yeah, we, we believe that it's, it's in South Korea now. So, yeah.
1: yeah. So, yeah, so I think, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, it's, it's like I said, it's um, suppressing, suppressing the identity of black people in both instances, you know, and within these dance forms. And that's that's all I have to say for now, but um, I'll let you say something, Marion.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, I heard you talking also about uh, how uh, black people, about representation and how they are portrayed as well. So I'm not talking about experience. I'm a white, I'm a white woman. But when doing this research about Lindy Hop, um, it's, uh, you know, in films, in movies, you have Lindy Hop scenes and each and every time they are uh, portrayed as domestic workers. Like the most famous Lindy Hop scene uh, that was danced by Whitey's Lindy Hoppers, so very, very, very famous performance troupe. Um, they are dressed as domestic workers and also it's a scene that can be deleted as well so when it's um in the south uh in the, yeah, so it could be deleted kind of being viewed um and you talked about also like stereotypes sexism but also classism and so this scene that the hells are popin it's in the film hell are um which was uh released in 1941 uh it's incredible, it's an incredible scene. It's like the performance is is incredible, but they're uh, dressed as domestic workers. You have um, like kitchen mechanics. Uh, Norma Miller, who is a very famous dancer in the troupe, was dressed as uh, a kitchen mechanic. And uh, she also has no pants or whatever. She is, yeah, in her knickers. So we talk about sexism, and I think that's kind of a great example as well. And yeah, about stereotypes, you have also these um, black, well, not, well, they're portrayed as workers and not dancers in the film. So you have these black workers, they hear the drums and then they, they just run and dance. And then you have white people at the end of the scene clapping like, oh yeah, that was entertaining, nice. And you have all these bunches of stereotypes like just in just in one scene, you have the lazy, you know black people just oh yeah we hear music and then we go dancing you have the stereotypical uh, clothing as well like domestic workers etc you have um yeah the black woman who has no trousers as well you have and at the end well it's just an explosion of stereotypes it's just in this one scene so yeah i think that's just yeah it's i think it colludes like nicely with what you'd said. yeah
0: yeah it's uh it's very interesting how the 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 conversation is uh developing i i i feel like um we are touching on themes of uh cultural appropriation of course and also racial uh, exploitation or um, dispossession as well and um i Feel that possibly ideas of uh, intersectionality and inclusion are are very central to to um, to, to what we are doing, um, and I'm curious about the relative importance of intersectionality and inclusion for each of you, uh, both personally and professionally. I wonder if. Um, uh, does any of your intersectionality inform the work that you do or approaches you take to researching dance? I'm not sure who wants yes. to go first.
1: Well, for me, um, I think this this is a loaded question. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. But, um, like I said, the intersectionality is, 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 is so many different levels. It's just yeah, like, I've, I've kind of mentioned them already, it just goes on and on and on, you know, race, class, gender, you know, discrimination, et cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the inclusion. Well, inclusion is on the, on the space, or, or thinking about inclusion of, so is it good to include people from the, so Black people from the African diaspora in a ballet represented as stereotypes, you know, do we need to still have that as part of inclusion? Do we need to still have these t- traditional ballet narratives portraying these, um, you know, you know, it, inclusion for the sake of inclusion? And then when Black dancers put, perform these, these roles, is that, it, that's still inclusion. But it's still a racial stereotype of an inclusion. <laughs> so, you know, we can go on. But that's my opinion on that, that sex, that question.
2: Yeah, just makes me think of a lot of things, but that's so true. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, just a little bit earlier, Baldo, you talked about uh, appropriation just before inclusion and intersectionalities, and I think that for for the Lindy Hop it's quite obvious because when I started my research I just googled like in French Google Lindy Hop, and out it Lindy Hop is a black dance. It was created by black dancers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you Google Lindy Hop in your French Google thing, out of a hundred pictures. show black dancers and also in the french wikipedia page uh zero out of six photos represent like black people and black dancers so i think it says it all right it's just it's just like so it's problematic on so many levels um and i think that Lindy Hop is a dance that historically includes, it It just includes people, like um, racially, well it was developed in the Savoy Ballroom, it was a racially integrated ballroom, well it was a black uh, ballroom that accepted white dancers, I think that the, it's nice just to, to say this, and now it just excludes, it excludes black dancers because it had it has created this. It has created this frame of whiteness and straightness. It just doesn't look like Lindy Hop right now. I mean, if we compare the Lindy Hop that was done in the 1930s, the scene is completely different. So now it just excludes. So it's just, I think, key to understand the how and and work on making it inclusive again. And I think that's the biggest work we have to do as a community in the Lindy Hop community. It's it's a bit different, I think, that in ballet because what you said, like it includes, but then yeah, okay, stereotypes you have, and then in Lindy Hop, I think is we have to be careful about tokenism, I think as well. Like we have we have very 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 good performers, black performers and instructors. I think about one in, uh, in particular, who's a French dancer, Rémi Kwame. And he's a black French uh, dancer. And he was afraid of that, of being the one black dancer that we include just there. Just, yeah, we have our black dancer and now we're nice. You can come to our party and ballroom and everything. So, yeah, it made me think about about what you said, this particular thing as well, uh, tokenism is is, is kind of an issue right now in, in in our Lindy Hop community and representation, of course. We have to have like
0: Lindy Hoppers. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, it is uh, great. And uh, I wonder, Sandy, if you if you want to to get back to that. I I, I like this. Uh, I uh, uh, just uh, comment. I indeed I was thinking of this idea of uh, both tokenism on the white side, on the on the one side, but also um, appropriation how how useful is that as a concept to to discuss this kind of borrowings and whether like speaking in terms of Erasure and dispossession could also be more uh, accurate to to look at the perspective of of those who are uh, made invisible no mm-hmm. and uh, Sandy I I wonder if you want to add up to that
1: okay so first thing I want to talk about is the tokenism because yes the tokenism is is happening or has been happening or still is happening in ballet so you know obviously um in Britain you know they the lot of the ballet companies have money from the Arts Council and there's been various reports over time that have specified that oh the dancers back in the day were trained in the UK so lots of dancers on my project were uh trained in the UK uh were told we'll train you but you won't join the company because you're black so a lot of these dancers had to go to the states and then obviously we had um there was more investigations with um arts council reports and said you know all these dancers going to the states we need to keep them in the uk so we'll start employing them so we start employing them and it's the one here <laughs> you know this, one. <laughs> so so we have. Oh no, one. Let's have one in Birmingham Royal Ballet at the time in the nineties. Okay. Oh, I know in the late eighties. The report says okay. Let's have two in the English National Ballet. Oh, okay, that's good. Oh, Royal Ballet. I know. Guess what? Let's just have. Oh, Carlos Acosta. But guess what? He's not British, but he's still a black dancer. You know, and not only. You know what? Let's have. Carlos Acosta as a black principal dancer and make him a prince. And let's put him in those ballets like Le Cossage and this having the prince make him erotic and put him in, you know, the leader roles as a stereotype. I'm sure it's he probably, he probably, yeah, it's an honor to play the prince. But if you're playing a sex, sexy man or you know, you're playing the stereotype, and then it's portrayed within what the um dance critics say he doesn't want to be portrayed that he wants to show his artistry um flair as being a dancer as a prince yes he's a prince he's a, he happens to be a black prince and you know and, it, and then it goes on so you know yes it's the representation is there and then yes we get to the point of principles but we're still playing the stereotypes so you know and appropriation i mean i mean within the ballet they've they've you know the uh, the people that I looked at was uh, Pettipor a little bit and uh, keen and the stereotypes that they've just cultural preparation of of um, you know Labayadere It's not even correct, you know the Moors. It's not even correct, you know. It's just it's just all oh, they just it's just old. <laughs> you know We're not there anymore. We need to step up and and look at the cultural diversity within the communities that we're living.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I see the the point there. And actually, Sandy, while you speak, I'm also thinking a lot of this. um, I mean, we are speaking of stereotypes and somehow it feels to me we are speaking of... um, I'm thinking of uh, my background in anthropology of dance. And I remember this article by um, Joan Kealimo Omoku, and this idea that uh, was quite shaking in the 60s, maybe, that ballet is an ethnic dance like others, and it has its codes, it has its conventions, and its a kind of uh, assumptions, as, as any other dance practice. And uh, how shaking was back then to call it an ethnic dance and, uh, and, and to realize that, uh, I mean, we are... Uh, uh, I mean that has uh, its own uh, cultural conventions and uh, kind of uh, maybe we wouldn't say ethnic conventions now, but it's like there are these codes that uh, that uh, form uh, the the tradition, and now they become uh, then um, uh, they can to be a bit uh, the canon, no and. Uh, yeah, so I just was thinking of that and it came to mind. I wonder uh, if any of you would like to mention any any scholar or any theorist that you feel like it's uh, very inspiring for, your, for the kind of work you did, uh, being it uh, a scholar with touching on intersectionality or else, I mean, I don't know. Now I'm thinking, for example, of uh, Mo Omoku, a very difficult surname. I don't think she had a clue of uh, the concept of intersectionality. Maybe it wouldn't be called like that, but possibly we can look at all the theorists as well. I wonder if, if you have any thoughts.
1: For, for me, when I was studying, um, I I, so I I hail to Brenda Dixon Gothschild, just love her, I just love her. She's her, her books and her theories. And, and she spoke to me as, you know, I trained as a dancer and um, you know, and her theories. I also looked at Bell Hook's God Rest Her Soul. Um, um I also looked at uh oh, what's it? Thomas De France as well. Thomas de France. Uh, I looked at, I think it's John Pen... I've forgotten oh so name. You know. Pepiner. I don't, I don't know if you know of him as well. Um, and, and I and I also looked at um, Stuart Hall. I know it's a bit old school, but Stuart Hall, I looked at um, Fanon as well, Franks Fanon. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I looked at so many diff- different theories. Um, oh god, what's the latest one? Trying to think. Paul Gilroy. Oh yeah, yeah. So those are just a few. There's more, but the list, you know, yeah. there's one on the top of my head.
0: Yeah, I see that uh, with. um I mean, there are some some key wor- key references there that uh it, it's good uh, reminder for for all of us. I wonder if uh, if um, you, Marion, would have any want to add?
2: Yeah, many miniature? names in common actually, like Thomas de France, Fanon. Yeah, um, I think think of uh, Patricia Hill Collins when she talks about uh, inter- intersectionality, um, that must incorporate like the approach to full power structures and not just interpersonal, but like a str- on a structural level, uh, disciplinary level, hegemonic, but inter- interpersonal as well, but not just interpersonal. And I think it, it came to mind. And also uh, a lot of Brenda Dixon Gottschild, like to me, like all of her, works just to me was uh, inc- an incredible read <laughs> and yeah i think about those particular two names because the other ones were just <laughs> cited already but yeah yeah brenda dixon gotcha then patricia patricia hill collins i think
0: yeah okay great thanks for that i didn't know patricia collins yeah will... Patricia Hill Collins. Yeah, so. also there is somebody uh, sandy that you mentioned i think i didn't know and I would be curious to explore more. Um, was it uh, after Thomas de France you mentioned? Uh, you mentioned Stuart Hall, Paul Girroy, but there was also another name that you mentioned. I think it would be good for to have a reference or to have um, a, a tip also for those listening. I think is is I
1: think it's. Oh I've got it, I found it. So uh John Pepper now. Pep, I don't know if that's a can you say that? That's some back to phone, can he? So it's, it's yeah, P-E-R, P-E-N-E-R. So he talks about African American concert dance, the Harlem Renaissance and beyond. He's, is he's, he's, love it. He's just straight. <laughs> just love it. Mm. Really
0: and the that, that I think of it, uh, that's good. I'm also thinking of a book uh, in, into which you contributed, I think, by, edited by Adeshola Kinley.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's also a good, uh, a good title to mention for those listening. Okay. There's two that I was in.
1: <laughs> the oh, first one, the first one is... Um, Black British dance. So, it was narratives in Black British dance by Adesola Akiny. That's one. Yeah, yeah, and the the other one, which sorry about this, which I'm in also is this was reclaiming ballet. Mm, yeah, and when when Dixon also in this, there's loads of people, there's loads of scholars in there and this was published in 2020, last year, 2021.
0: Mm, That's a good one, I I should read.
1: Yeah, so those two.
0: Fantastic, Um, if uh, thinking uh, on, uh, I was wondering um, when, when you think of the field of dance research at present, uh, I was wondering what is good at including and what does it overlook as a field, uh, the dance world? Uh, do you think it's there is something that is very good that dance does in terms of inclusion more generally or something that maybe is overlooked
2: that we are not uh, paying attention to?
1: Okay, for me, um, I found, for for when I was researching, I found it very disheartening to see um, the knowledge base. It's obviously, it's a European Western concept all the way. I remember being in a class in my BA and I said to the teacher, uh, she was a ballet scholar, and I said to her, oh, she goes, oh, the, the, the firebird has never been done before. I said, yes, it has. And she goes, who by? I said, the Dark suit of Harlem. So, <laughs> and, you know, it, it just, she just shut up and just ignored me, like, you know, excuse me, you have to kind of acknowledge the presence of other people. You know, it's not just one community, it's not one story. And the thing is, it's always one story. know and 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 i'm basically tired of it you know because it's happening all the time in all walks of life with my children at school you know i have to be educating the teachers i'm always educating you know and um and you know it's not anybody's well they just need to fix up the system you know decolonize the curriculum that's what it is and be inclusive so when when i when i did my research and I looked up. Yes, I did ballet. I wanted to do ballet. I wanted to find out what was going on. Why? Why there was the underrepresentation of black dancers in ballet? Not only British ballet, but ballet. Why? And the roots. Of, and but then I found that's the roots of, roots of institutional racism all the way through. And you can say that on every level, on everything, all around the world, it's the same same thing. So it's about it being inclusive and acknowledge and claim. You know that. There has been the influence of other cultures. Other cultures have made dance for what it is. Ballet hasn't just, you know, if, if ballet didn't have um La Bayadere to, to, to Asian or if they didn't have the nutcracker, all these cultures to be put onto the stage, that ballet would be boring. I mean, well, <laughs> I am mean, just say, you know, I mean, some people might fall asleep, but I'm just saying that, you know, you have this, all these cultural influences, you know. Even though yes, they have the stereotypes, but they're there, and they and they have influenced the dance form, you know, from India, the classical dance, the ballets, their classical Indian dance. Everybody has influence in everything, and it needs to be more acknowledgement for the other. And I hate saying the other, but it 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 is basically that. So it's on every level. You, all dance institutions, must be. You know, aware of um, or be edu- educate themselves in their alignment and open their eyes. You know, I, I go to, I go, I, I give lectures at uh, universities and the students just look at me and I say, Can you name a black ballet dancer? And they look at me like, I'm talking a foreign language. <laughs> just like, what? Oh, they exist? I can see their heads go. So, yeah, anyway, that's my opinion. So. Thank
2: you. Yeah, um, I'm not going to talk about dance research, but as maybe just more my my practice as a a Lindy Hop instructor. And so many things resonate right now, because um, there is no curriculum to become a Lindy Hop instructor. You you don't have to, um, there's nothing, just everybody can become a Lindy Hop instructor. If you take one class, and the next morning, you can become a Lindy Hop instructor if you have, like, nice, you know, marketing and stuff. And that's a problem because many, many people just don't know the history of the Lindy Hop. And I didn't when I started teaching. I didn't even know it was a black dance. When I, well, not teaching, but assisting, because we have assistants and stuff. And now I find it so, like, it's... Oh, myself for that anyway um and then you just so many people just don't know and they are teaching the dance and they don't know where it comes from who um it was at the origin of the lindy hop and what are uh characteristic of um african-american dance as well or key names or anything and then we have this thing because i think about another researcher she's named leticia martin and she's uh, researching about the lineage um, in in jazz. And we do a terrible job at this in Lindy Hop. Like in tap dancing, I think it's quite, it's it's normal like to name who you, from whom you learned that particular step, and then from whom they learned the step and everything. And in Lindy Hop, Hop, we just don't do that. I tend to do that now, but we just don't do this. there was this conference when I asked, like, can you name, uh, you know, um, a tap dancer? Yeah, Jim Kelly, Fred Astaire, yeah, good. And, you know, Nicholas Brothers, who were like very, very famous, Bill Robinson. There are so many black tap dancers, but the first names that come out are not the black dancers. Lindy Hop, it was a bit the same, and also black women, like black women just dancers. And just couldn't. And I think that's quite problematic. And I think it's it's a structural problem. No curriculum, no any, you know, you don't know a thing about the history you can teach. And then you have so many dancers that grow, you grow a scene. They don't know about the history either. And then you end up like with a very not knowledgeable community. And are they dancing Lindy Hop even? Like, yeah. And I think... Yeah, I think it raises like many, many, many issues. Um, and then, yeah, Lindy Hop, so it, it's, it's like a black dance. It was dance in the Savoy Ballroom, but you have like very famous dances. I think about um, Frankie Manning, uh, for example, he had a Cherokee, um, a Cherokee heritage. And also you had also in the Savoy Ballroom like Latin American dances. And sometimes you have a little bit of, you have m- the Mambo Step, included into, into Lindy Hop as well. So you have many, many influences as well. But what remains is that the Lindy Hop is often remembered as, um, you know, a white dance that was danced by white jitterbugging GIs during the Second World War. Well, that's what remains when you ask people about that. And I think that's just, yeah. Sorry,
0: ma'am. did you say was danced by uh who what the i white
2: I... jitterbugging oh yeah jitterbug is the other name of the lindy hop and that was the nickname um of uh, black dancers used to call white dancers like jitterbugs because they had not they, they didn't have any control over the movements so what mm-hmm. they were jitterbugging
0: <laughs> oh wow
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but i see i see what you're saying and i i think it's so Also refreshing to know how research and your research work is kind of enabling you to trace back uh, important histories that were kept, uh, that were not recorded and not not mentioned. The fact that you started uh, learning in the OP without even knowing all this black uh, background within it and this also makes me think of this uh, book that i've been reading um by Arabella Stanger Dancing on Violent Ground um into which actually there is a lot of uh, explorations of um of uh, what has been uh, she indeed uh, speaking of dispossession in uh, western dance and kind of uh, uh, trying to to rewrite the history and uh, and uh, look back at what we think we we knew and uh, kind of try to challenge the perceptions that that we have by kind of uh, revisiting history and revisiting uh, uh, what the, also the records we have the archives we have and and focus on what was not. Uh, mm, 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 what we don't have uh, traces of. Um, And also another thing I would like to mention, I appreciate also the fact that uh, it's uh, uh, so important to go beyond the the um, identity and the skin and the kind of uh, do the work, the, the colonizing work that we are doing, regardless of the background we have, and not to leave it to, to Black people to do this or uh, minorities. I mean, it's very important that uh, somebody like Arabella Stanger or or uh, you, Marion, I, I mean, as white people carry on that work as well. It's not all left to, to be done by the by black people themselves and in terms of the uh of the future i wonder if you would like to see something possibly uh, we are leaning towards our conclusion but if you would like to to mention something in terms of your aspirations for the sector uh for the dance sector as well and uh, what would be your next moves uh, with your uh, research and practice
1: Yeah, so for the, for the future, um, so I'm doing this project called Black British Ballet and we're trying to archive, um, like I, like you've presented at the beginning, uh, Black dancers in um, British ballet, because like I say, when I go to, when I give lectures or go to conferences, it's usually the African-Americans that they mention, like Arthur Mitchell or Misty Copeland is the flavour of this century at the moment. And, you know, they don't know about their own history. So for me is to, to to get as many of those dancers, those ballet dancers who, who trained in the UK and you know had a career in ballet and have them, you know, on a um website and to archive their their um, careers, their existence, and to do have research papers, etc., you know, to do the documentary, to do the book, to do um exhibitions, you know, just, just to make that knowledge known because it's part of um, Black British history not only Black British history, it's dance history, it's, you know it it's you know, international we need to know, they need to know I'm tired of having that conversation and there's no representation representation's been here on every front, on every level, in every dance genre, it's just not being it's not being, you know, we Black people have been suppressed for so, so long. And it's about, um, you know, rising up and voicing their opinions, voicing their existence. And it needs to be documented. There's so much work to do, <laughs> there is so much work to do. It's not, as I said, it's not, it's across the genres, across the genres uh, about the history. So that would be good. And obviously to be, you know, to be acknowledged within the dance curriculums as well. Um, yeah, international recognition so that's my that's my um aspirations
2: yeah a lot of work to do <laughs> yeah a lot of work to be done um as for the Lindy hub I think it's 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 the same thing basically but I think uh, firstly it's all about on on um micro level like history and culture to put history and culture to the forefront. Like you learn moves, you you know you sign up, you sign up for Lindy Hop classes, but then you've got to learn the history and the culture as well as just moves. Because you have to understand why you are doing this or why they were doing this back then and then why are you doing it now? Do you imitate Or do you copy and then transform it and make it your own as well? Like, is imitating a good thing as well? I don't think so in the Lindy Hop, especially when it's fueled with stereotypes as well. Um, But you have to experiment with this and understand, yeah, why we're doing this. So firstly, I think history and culture, bringing them into the practice of the Lindy Hop. And then I think... It's looking at the past and then understanding the narratives. Um, for example, in Lindy Hop, we have this, this big narrative of the revival of the Lindy Hop. Like it's as if it's just uh, disappeared. Uh, but no, black people were still dancing the Lindy Hop. It was just not danced by the white uh, mainstream America, but there's no revival. It was it, it didn't need to be revived is just, um, it was erased. And that's not the same thing. So we have this white savior narrative. Oh, but they invited the black dancers back and then yeah, and then it went back full swinging thing. No, we have to understand that these narratives are just completely fake. And then we have, so we have to dismantle them. And then I think that's a big, big uh, issue. The revival, we, we, we hear it a lot. Like it was the revival of the dance in the 1980s and 90s. Yes, black people were still dancing the Lindy Hop with their grandfathers and grandmothers and in the in the family. Um, so yeah, I think that's another step, <laughs> many, many steps. And then I think the final step, well, not final in chronological order, but another step would be about also representation and having. Uh, African American dancers in our lineups. For example, we have big festivals. Yeah, we have to incorporate African American dancers. Um, what, I'm also an organizer. I I'll organize like festivals, and I know that it's very, very costly to bring like African Americans to France, but at least have dancers from the African diaspora that understand the culture um, and that are who are not tokens but just here to bring the culture into the practice of the Lindy Hop. So that's what we are trying to do. And I think a lot of people in the Lindy Hop community are doing this work as well. We have many like groups of people trying to work towards this. And I think that's a very, very good thing. It's, it's a bit of a slow process, <laughs> but it's going there. But I think those steps, if we, if we do this like correctly and if we take the time to do these steps, we are going to have a more inclusive uh practice and i think that will be a very very good thing it takes time but we'll slowly getting there
0: <laughs> that's fantastic um, thank you both really much i think we are running out of time but just to conclude i wonder if there is anything that you are burning to say or that uh, you want to mention that came out of both the symposium or this conversation we are having now? Just quickly.
1: Yeah. Okay, this is just, just for you, uh, Marion, just to let you know that in the UK there are at least two or three groups that you could get that actually do drive in Lindy obviously, you know, um, so if you I can email you that that information and they've been doing it from top, I think like three groups actually so you don't really need to go to America because it's on your doorstep <laughs> just to let you know that that's all right um, I just want to say thank you very much for um, inviting me for this the podcast I've really enjoyed myself uh, um, I hope it goes down really well And I haven't said anything I shouldn't say, but there you go. So thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thank you very much as well. Looking forward for the recommendations as well from the UK. And I think, like, uh, thinking about what you wrote, I think that reclaiming the Lindy Hop would be a good thing as well because you Mm. talked about reclaiming, yeah. And then I think reclaiming the Lindy Hop is something that needs to happen as well. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. So thank you very much uh, for this fascinating discussion. I would like to thank both Sandy Byrne and Marion Ken for their time, openness and generosity today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with me and with, uh, for, with one another and uh, with the listeners. Uh, I am Sinibaldo de Rosa, event secretary for the Society for Dance Research. Goodbye from me. Uh, with a reminder to listeners that the full series of podcasts is available on the Society for Dance Research website. Do take a look and listen and for further information, questions or feedback, please contact us via the website and we hope you will be joining us again.